Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe, and we made it. Next week is Big 12 Media Days, guys. That's when our season starts. It ain't August 31st. Mm -hmm. It ain't the start of camp. Our football season starts with Big 12 Media Days, and we made it through the summer. Everybody's got their vacation in. I took mine. Rogers got back from his. So we're ready to rock and roll. And... I almost feel like this week we're starting anew on Longhorn Blitz because for the first time ever, we're doing a Q&A format. And thank you guys, the listeners, for our loyal Blitz listeners, That's for right. submitting your questions. we got some good ones this week. We're going to get to it, but let's take care of some business before we do that. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm wonderful. And... The third member of our team, he is our lockdown corner here on the show. He is a renaissance man. You can hear him each and every weekday on 104.9 The Horn from 1 to 3 on the broadcast. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 acres where he earned his degree. Whatever that T-ring is back in his possession, he will wear it proudly, I promise. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor officially recognized by the NCAA, you're a black card member of DBU. Ooh. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rob Babers. Rob B., how was vacation, man? Thanks for intro, brother. Vacation was awesome. Thank you for uh, saving my my bacon and filling in for me on the broadcast. No so problem. I appreciate that. Anytime. Got great, uh, um, great response from the fans, everybody on the broadcast. Everybody on the horn loves Jeff Howe. So we appreciate your efforts, man. I, I, know you've been working. I didn't know you were doing the morning show, too, so you've been... Man, you've been doing like three a days, basically. I did. Your uh, job, my damn job, and E. Hogan's job. Yeah, your boss's <laughs> job. So, Rod's uh, job in the bus. Yeah, that's what I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. no, it was good, just so I could get away for a couple of days. And uh, went to Lake Tahoe, hung out, had a good time. Beautiful thing. And now i got to get back to doing my actual job that I get paid for. Now you got to do the one you actually get paid for. Yeah, you just get, you just get love from us. <laughs> well, I actually did get a key card. To the building. There you so, go. I'll take it. Big time, man. I'll take it. Don't have to wait on anybody to let me in anymore. Hey, man, so. that basically you're yeah, close to being on the payroll then. I think it's like key card, then payroll. So we'll see. We'll, so payroll we'll, may we'll, take we'll a few ba- We'll baby step. We'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. baby step. He's right. above we'll Kramer and Milton. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> want to remind everybody again, thank you guys so much. However you get this podcast, whatever method you use, thank you so much. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, basically anywhere you get your podcast. Search Longhorn Blitz, you know, subscribe, like us, leave us a review. Five stars would be preferable, but any feedback you get, that that helps keep this podcast alive. Your feedback helps keep this podcast alive because the folks in the corporate office, they want to know, hey, how's the Blitz doing? That's the easiest way they can know uh, that this podcast is alive and well is uh, you guys subscribing, downloading, listening, uh, and leaving reviews. So we do 
Appreciate that. As I said, this week is going to be a Q&A session. So it's first time, man. Yeah, so we're going to get into it. But bef- before we do that, I mentioned that Longhorn Blitz is starting anew. And we're going to go ahead right now and introduce, I guess, it's kind of like, you guys know when pro wrestling fans, kind of like when the NWO started adding members. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess we're going to go ahead right now and bring in the fourth man. All right, you guys have asked for it, you've wanted it, you've demanded it. You guys need to talk recruiting on the Blitz. Uh, we won't get into the nitty-gritty of how this came together, but in short, uh, it was just more efficient to do it this way. So without further ado, uh, the newest contributor to the Longhorn Blitz podcast, we're going to talk recruiting on here now with Mike Roach, the recruiting editor at Horns 24-7. Mike I know, I know you and I have talked about doing a podcast something for a while now, and uh, I don't want to say we were forced to do this, but let's just say it was strongly suggested that this be the best method that we do to uh, get the recruiting part out in the podcast form. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, first of all, I appreciate you guys for, for bringing me in for this. I feel like I finally made it to be on the, the Longhorn Blitz. But people, you know, even when we were just doing a recruiting podcast, um, we're, we're crying out for, for team information integrated with that. And I'm sure they've cried out for recruiting integrated with yours. I think this is just probably right now uh, the best and most efficient way we can do it, not take up a ton of our, our weeks doing separate podcasts and kind of roll everything into one and make the Blitz a, a one-stop shop for Texas fans. Well, you know, Mike, maybe we should do more podcasts uh, more often, I should say, because we've got news to talk about. Uh, on the first kind of revamping, if you will, of the Blitz. So let's go ahead and get uh, to the first bit of news that went down uh, on Tuesday. Texas gets a 2021 commitment from Lake McCree, the Lake Travis tight end. Uh, USC was among his offers. He's going to end up being one of the more highly coveted tight ends in the country in the 2021 class. So, Mike, I don't know how much you've had a chance to see Lake McCree yet, but just what are your overall thoughts on – on Texas, man, they just keep kind of reloading at that tight end position. You look at, at 2019 with with uh, Lee Brock and Wiley, and we knew they were going to try to have to, to hit it big and in, in, in 2021. But uh, yeah, I mean they're they're another take where they're knocking it out of the park. Yeah, I saw McCree actually uh, this spring when I went out to Lake Travis. He's kind of transitioning to the tight end position. He was a backup quarterback at Lake Travis, which as you know, is a very tough job to get the starting job in. So a lot of times guys end up moving to to other positions. And Card, for instance, was a receiver when Matthew Baldwin was there. Um, and McCree was moved to tight end because, obviously, they have Hudson Card. They've got a young stud named Nate Yarnell coming up right behind Hudson Card. And McCree's really embraced the position. I think that, um, you know, in his first season, obviously, he wasn't the primary option. Garrett Wilson was. Uh, but you know, he had a nice year for his first year playing tight end. And I could really see him developing into a guy that a lot of teams are going to chase. You know, you mentioned USC offered him, Texas A&M also offered him, TCU offered him. So a couple of in-state schools jumped into that mix. And, um, you know, I think a lot like Cade Brewer, when you can find those guys who are so versatile, can play a little H-back, can play a little flexed out in the slot, can play inline, they can block, they can make some plays after the catch. Um, you know, you got to find guys like that, especially at schools like Lake Travis, because they understand certain things about route running and, uh, you know, just where to be, how to get open, the natural pass catchers, and that's what Lake McCree is. And I think he's actually 
he's got a higher ceiling than than Cade Brewer did coming out of high school. I think he's got some more athletic traits and some more size. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at the tight end position and the pro spread with the guys they've recruited, I think Andrew Beck kind of gives you a good foundation of, okay, this is kind of the baseline of what you want at that position, right? A guy that can play some H-back, some fullback, play inline tight end with his hand on the ground. Maybe you can flex him out a little bit. And then I think Cade Brewer is going to be a better version of Andrew Beck. And I think Braden Lebrock's got a chance to be a better version of of Cade Brewer. And I don't know, maybe Lake McCree's got a chance to be a better version of, of Braden Lebrock. I don't know where you're at on that, Mike. Yeah, I mean, different, different players a little bit. I think that Lebrock is a guy that um, – I think he's probably got the highest ceiling of anybody in that tight end room as far as just uh, what he can do as a receiver. But I think that McCree fits kind of in between what what uh, Andrew Beck and what um, Braden Lebrock can be. I think that he, you know, he's a little bit bigger version of that H-back. And, I, and I'm interested to see him this year in his second full season at tight end, um, just really see how he continues to develop within that Lake Travis offense. I know Hudson Cards told me on a number of occasions that he's probably going to be his number one option this year with Garrett Wilson gone. Um, so we should see production step up quite a bit for him. And look, as this one's been done for quite a while, um, you know, I think uh, I think that um, when I went out to uh, Lake Travis the first time, uh, I was basically told, hey, you know, we're going to take some trips, um, but this one is is going to go Texas way. And so I think that's what he did was get some some trips out of the way this summer and then was ready to make his commitment. So let's get to the other piece of news. We'll get back to 2021 here in a sec because, there, you know, there's a topic that I want to discuss as it relates to 21. But let's go ahead and get to, to 2020. And, Mike, you've been waiting for just kind of this summer shot of momentum. When's it going to hit? Uh, Quinn and Jackson happened you know, kind of late in May. Uh, and Texas really – I think we all kind of felt, okay, at some point these guys are going to start to, to, to pop and when these decisions are going to be made in June and July. And kind of the first domino fell again on Tuesday. Prince Dorba, the outstanding edge rusher from Highland Park, he makes his commitment. There's a couple things right off the bat with this, Mike. I, I think number one is his fit, kind of being more of that B-backer role in, in the Texas defense, which you take it away from D-line in that standpoint. But I think two – um, you know, Oscar Giles is a guy that's gotten a lot of flack from, from the fan base for kind of the lack of momentum Texas has had recruiting defensive linemen. But I think you've got to give Oscar Giles, and Tim Beck and Rashad Samples go into this also, but I think you've got to give Oscar Giles a lot of credit for, for Texas getting Prince Dorba. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Giles was, you know, there was a period of time where we all thought Prince Dorba was going to maybe turn into a 4-I. Like, he was, he played last season, he was listed at like 6-4-230, and we thought, okay, well, he can grow and add, add weight, and he's going to be a, a down lineman with his hand down. And he played basketball this spring and actually came in around 6'2.5 or 6'3 once we got a verified measurement in about 208, so we, we started seeing him as a linebacker. Uh, but Oscar Giles was on him from the very beginning, made him feel like a priority, made him feel like he was at the top of the Texas board, which he was one of the top defenders on the Texas board. So I think that, um, you know, obviously th- there's guys that – that really vibe with Oscar Giles, and I think Prince was one of them. He just really liked his authenticity. Um, I think Oscar is, it tends to be very honest with kids, and I think that that really, um, you know, appealed to Prince. And I think that the fit that, like you mentioned, is, is going to be important to him as well. You know, he spent three years in an odd front playing two gap, 
and and now he gets to chase the passer, which is what he really loves to do, and you can see that when he's in camp settings and things like that. Um, just a tremendous get, I think, for Texas. I, I, obviously, in the Big 12, you can never have enough edge rushers. You can never have enough guys who can chase the quarterback. And I think it's something that Texas has lacked for a long time, just true elite edge rushers. I mean, Joseph Osai was probably, you know, was a godsend to the Texas class. Outside of him, you know, I can remember years before that going back saying, man, you know, maybe Eric Fowler's that guy or maybe this or maybe that, but it really hasn't been for a long time that Texas has landed a true elite edge rusher. So let's just kind of rewind a little bit, Mike. Between, and maybe Joseph Osai is going to be that guy as early as this season, I don't know. But between Joseph Osai, Byron Vaughns, and Prince Dorba, if you're Texas and Todd Orlando, you should out of one of those one of those three guys should hit and be kind of the B backer you've been waiting to find for this defense. Yeah, I mean you would think so. I mean just keep throwing numbers and keep throwing long talented athletes at the at the issue, you know. I think Osai has has the stuff from what I've heard, uh, you know, to really turn into that. And I was really impressed with Osai when I saw him in high school. Um, but I think Dorba when you talk about the fact that, and I think that people don't understand enough about his scheme in high school, you know, I've gone to, to Highland Park games with some media guys who say I don't get the hype with Dorba, and they don't understand that playing in a three-man front and, and having responsibility to take on double teams every play at 210 pounds is not conducive to production. When you talk about the fact that still he's turned in 30 sacks in two years playing that position, that's incredible production. Um, you know, even for a guy who's playing in a traditional pass rusher role. So, obviously, I think that Dorbo's got the skill, the athleticism to do it if they just turn him loose and, and let him do what he does. So, here's how the podcast is going to work. We're going to give you kind of a, just a, a sampling of, of Mike's contributions this week. Next week, because we'll both be in Dallas for Big 12 Media Days, we'll, we'll hit it a little bit harder and go a little longer. And not to say we're going to cut off right now, but uh, if anybody wants to know, why didn't you guys cover this? Why didn't you guys cover this? We're Trust me, we've got – Plenty of podcasts and plenty of time left to do, uh, plus Mike's running up against a, a haircut appointment, and I don't want him to miss that. But, <laughs> Mike, one thing I wanted to, to touch on before we wrapped up today, you know, we talk about the Dallas to Austin movement, and I tend to think that can be overrated at times when you talk about are you doing well in, in a metro area because one year maybe it's Houston's got more talent, maybe Dallas has more talent, maybe it's East Texas or whatever, but, man, there's no question when you look at, this 2020 class, and Prince Dorba's part of that, along with Jaquindon Jackson, and Texas, they're right there in the hunt for Chris Thompson and Jahari Rogers. And then you go to 21 with Quay Davis. I mean, I I don't I don't want to overstate the impact Rashad Samples has had, who's a quality control coach at Texas now. His dad, Reginald Samples, the legendary high school coach in the Dallas area. But, man, having him on staff for Texas, it's, it's been a freaking game changer, has it not? Absolutely, and I, I think you're right that people tend to overstate metro areas, but, you know, I mean, year in and year out, with the exception of 2018, which was kind of a down year in Dallas, um, you know, Dallas is always going to have its talent, and, and, and Houston as well. I think that Texas has really struggled in this area. You know, I maybe it's maybe it's more of a bias for me because I'm a Dallas guy. I talk to more coaches in this area. I've grown up in this area. But under Tom Herman, that staff was built to recruit Houston under the H-Town takeover that they were doing at Houston. And they did a great job. They've done a great job since they got there recruiting Houston. 
but I, I think they struggled at times in Dallas. And the thing is, is, is Dallas is a different type of environment. You have to sort of have a made man who, who is part of the fabric. And, you know, Rashad Samples is as much a part of the fabric in Dallas as anything. You know, he is a, a star in South Dallas at Skyline High School, a guy that everybody knows his dad. Uh, Reginald Samples is one of the most famous coaches in the area, probably in the state, um, has a machine at Duncanville. So I think that, no, you can't overstate the impact that Rashad Samples has had. You know, just being able to be another young guy that can relate to recruits when they get on campus and, and a guy who's gone through it was a four-star wide receiver that, Jeff, I'm sure you covered. Um, so, you know, I think that he's a future superstar within the, the recruiting world. I think he's a guy that you're going to see – uh, probably some other colleges come at him very aggressively in the next year or two, and I think Texas is going to have to do something to combat that. You know what's funny, Mike? I, I don't. I haven't told this story yet. I haven't let it out. But you know, you go back to when I was covering recruiting, and we were in that the start of the twenty it was the twenty thirteen cycle, which Rashad was in, and there was a junior day where there was allegedly a silent commit to Texas, and we were told all the prospect had to go do was go home and clear it with his dad, and he would be a Longhorn. That commitment never happened but from everything we were told and by very good sources at texas at the time that was rashad samples yeah i mean i i I remember following that recruitment and it was it seemed like texas was in it and should have probably won that recruitment and it was just odd that it didn't go their way at the time but um you know they got him second time around and uh, I think it's been paying off huge dividends for him. And I, look, I, I think that again we can overrate the the Metro recruiting numbers, but recruiting more than anything, Jeff, you know this is it's about momentum a little bit. It's about creating a narrative. Yeah. And I think if you can create some excitement around this Dallas to Austin movement, you know, you get kids in this area to sort of jump in on. Uh, the narrative part, you know, Texas. You know, the classes have been hit or miss, but, uh, you know, that that 2012 class, that was the Texas Gang or Die class. Uh, you know, uh, the – what what is the class? I guess it was the eight, was the 18 class. It was the – or I guess it was, was a Revolution 18 or 19, Mike. I'm getting my hashtags mixed up. But, they, you know, Texas has done a really good job of that in these recruiting cycles of getting guys excited. And you've got to sell it. You know, A&M's done that with their, their Gig'em gang, whatever the year is, and – OU's got the OU DNA hashtag that they roll with. So, yeah, I mean, you've got you've to gotta appeal to recruits. You've got to get guys excited because, let's face it, man, at some point once Texas gets that south end zone complex done, everybody's going to be on par with facilities. Everybody's going to be pretty much on par with talent. It's just what's going to differentiate, differentiate you, make you stand out. The narrative is part of that. But like you said, it's building, it's building relationships, and, and Rashad Samples uh, has those relationships and the Metroplex. One thing I want to cover, and this is the question that right now we're getting this a lot, and maybe the combination of Lake McCree, Prince Dorba, um, you know, Texas trending in the right way with Chris Thompson, it looking like some of the Florida buzz has kind of has ceased a little bit for, for Jahari Rogers, at least the way it was early on in the opening finals. But maybe this is where Texas fans start to feel a little bit better about things on the recruiting front. But as we sit here in early July, if a Texas fan asks you, Mike, how should I feel about this recruiting class? What would you tell them? I would say feel better today after the Prince Dorber commitment, obviously, and I think that there's there's probably some more in store for this summer. Um, you know, we've 
we've talked about this on uh, with you doing radio, Jeff, but, like, recruiting is, uh, first of all, I would tell no one ever to freak out about something you can't control, especially when it comes to 17- and 18-year-old kids. But, um, you know, obviously I get the concern. I understand that, that Texas fans thought there would be a little more buzz, a little more momentum coming off that Sugar Bowl win. And, uh, you know, Texas has been in prove-it mode with recruits for so long that they kind of did prove it to an extent and and now are being asked to double down on that. And I get I get the frustration there and uh, kind of the, the confusion there. But I think that Texas is putting together a very quality class. I think they're also making some great inroads in 21, setting up 21 to be a, to be a monster year. Um, so, I mean, that's really going to be the litmus test for me. But I think that I would say, you know, Texas is, is at eight commits now in the 20 class, probably in the summer at maybe 10 to 11 commits. And, you know, they're probably about halfway to building out their class as the summer ends and the season begins, which puts them just about right on schedule for uh, to close down the fall. So, uh, don't freak out too much, but I do understand your concern out there. Mike, just for everybody out there, how are you selling into the job, man? And I, I don't want to tell all your story. I'll let you tell it, you know, some this week and some next week when we get to sit down face-to-face and chop it up. But, you know, Mike has been a subscriber to multiple sites uh, in the Texas market early on, and then you were with Horn Sports for a while, obviously working with us at Horns 24-7 on a part-time basis. But, man, you're full-time in the market, one of the preeminent voices that covers recruiting. Uh, how are you feeling about everything, man? Just the career change and all that? Because I don't think people realize, like, you had to actually to take the full-time position with us. You had to quit your previous full-time job. Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's people ask me about it, and um, I actually had a college coach ask me like, why would you choose to do this? And I told him it's a lot better than punching a clock. You know, it's uh, I wake that. up every day and I worry about football, and that's a that's a neat thing to do. And I tell my wife all the time, like, look, our jobs are kind of dumb if you think about it. Like the fact that people like that, that I get paid to write about high school football is kind of dumb, but like, I'm really glad it's around. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I love doing it. It's work that I enjoy waking up and doing, um, every day. And so I, yeah, I'm loving it so far. You know, it's, uh, got its ups, it's got its downs, just like anything. I think that, you know, especially in our position, we tend to get lumped in with bad results on the recruiting front. Um, but, you know, we got to do what we can. We report the news. We're not the story. We just tell the story. Um, that's kind of the way I treat it. And I've always tried to just really approach it with a, with a professional uh, approach and, and, you know, just do my best to convey the information. You see, the difference between me and Mike is I spent about twenty five grand uh, at J School for them to tell me that what I already knew. Mike just picked that up on his own. So clearly he's the, <laughs> he's, he's the smarter of the two, uh, all staff. Mike, we're going to sit down at Big 12 Media Days, man. We're going to do uh, – we'll get into more kind of personal stuff and kind of your journey and everything. We'll do that next week on the show. I just wanted to give everybody a little primer and, you know, turns out we had some some newsy type stuff uh, to talk about. But uh, you can get Mike. Mike, anything you want to plug, your Twitter account, uh, any any – I know the Stampede is something you take a lot of pride in every Monday. But whatever you want to plug, man, go ahead and plug it right now. Yeah, I would say just follow me on Twitter at MikeRoach247. You can find, um, you know, just about anything I'm, I do, I'll put up on my Twitter. I, uh, sometimes I'll talk a lot about hockey, so if you don't like that, sorry. Um, but most of the time I'm talking Texas football, Texas recruiting. Um, come to Horns 24-7, man. I mean, we'll give you a lot of great stuff on the podcast, but we're not going to give everything to you. You can get that all at Horns 24-7. We'll go into much more detail over there. So, uh, yeah, that's the only things I'd, I'd really have to plug right now. All right, we'll do it big in uh, Arlington next week. Mike, you know me, man. I always get mad when 
People talk about Big 12 media days, and they're like, we're going to Dallas. I'm like, well, if you're going to Dallas, you're not going to see anything because AT&T Stadium's in Arlington. So you got to make sure you get your Metroplex proper cities uh, down pat. In uh, my book. Jeff, I love you for that. I'm a, I'm a, I live in Fort Worth now. Um, you know, I don't live in Dallas. Uh, I used to live in Arlington, so I, I'm, I'm totally with you on all that. Aren't you technically in Crowley, though? Yeah, yeah, I am, but nobody ever knows where Crowley is, so I just say Fort Worth. I mean, I'm right on the border. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's Tarrant County. That, that's your lesson for this week, everybody. Learn, learn your Metroplex suburbs uh, proper. Uh, Mike, like I said, man, we'll do it next week. Uh, I really appreciate you wanting to be a part of the Blitz. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're growing this podcast. It is growing, but uh, it can be bigger, and, uh, and you're going to be a big part of that going forward, man. So uh, we'll do it again soon. Uh, enjoy the haircut, man. I haven't paid for a haircut since, like, 2007, so I'm, I'm jealous that you're going to the to the barber's chair right now. Oh, yeah, I get a great little experience here at the Garage Men's Grooming in Burleson. No free ads, but, um, I mean, they do it. The ladies here do a fantastic job with uh, some men's grooming. So it's uh, the highlight of every two weeks for me. So, <laughs> All right, Mike, sounds good. We'll do it again next week, man. All right, thanks. There it is. The fact that Mike is with us now, guys, this is going to be big. Uh, you guys have been wanting, again, you've been wanting recruiting from us. We haven't talked about it because Mike had his podcast, and we'll get into more particulars with Mike next week on kind of how everything came together. But uh, this is going to be good for us going forward. Again, it's about growing the blitz, yep. uh, growing the brand. So we're we're happy for that. All right, you guys ready to get into some Q and A? I know everybody that submitted questions is ready for yes, it. Yes, sir. Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. Let me. Uh, did you like choose these strategically? Mm-hmm. Like, did you go through? Were you very Picky, or you just go like, you know what? I'm just random rapid I'm just, fire. I'm just gonna, I'm just, we're just gonna rapid fire. I, like I, I, I had a I'm Twitter, down. I had a Twitter thread, or you guys could use the hashtag AskLHB, or you could submit your question at Horns twenty four seven. So if I feel like any of these are repetitive, you guys just tell me, and uh, and we'll move on from there. Yeah. All right, we'll start. Uh, so some people have you know three part questions or whatever. So we'll uh, we'll get to those. All right, first question is from Twitter, uh, Grant Morse, at code 59 uh, Question number one, looking towards 2020, who is taking – I guess this will be 2021 because in 2020 I hope Sam Ellinger is still taking the, the snaps as first-team yes. quarterback. Yeah, looking towards 2021, who's taking the first-team snaps at quarterback, Casey Thompson or someone else? Let's go ahead and take that first. Rod. I like that. Rod, go ahead right now. Call your shot. Who, who do you think is following Sam Ellinger? Um, okay, so the quarterbacks at that point would be to choose from would be Hudson Card, Jaquindon Jackson, Johnson, the Jaquindon Jackson, yeah, and Roshan Johnson and Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson. That would be the four, right? Yeah. Man, I just heard Hudson Card had a great Elite Eleven camp. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just gonna interject. Texas <laughs> fans love that. Who's next at quarterback? <laughs> Even when we don't have some type of. But it's fun again. That. It's fun again, though. <laughs> Even when it's not major for Sims or a quarterback battle, it's like, okay, well, who's, who's replacing the, the good one? one? Yeah, that right. exercise is fun again now because we don't it have to talk. Again, man, now. can any of these so guys? Go from, can any of these guys play? It's a first world fan exercise, right? When you have a first world. Problems like that, so you like, oh, you know oh, what? Man. Who's gonna be after Vince Young? Who's yeah, after exactly. Cole? Jevin right. Sneed was the guy, yeah. not Colt McCoy. Yeah, at back that then, time. they were arguing over who's who should start. Or John you know, Childs, wait for John Childs yeah. to show up. Who should That's start? Gerard Hurd or Tyrone Swoops? Remember those days? Those yep. those big <laughs> those knockdown drag well, out debates. You get um, a guy from okay, Arizona. so Hudson Carter, a great Elite Eleven, and I know he's a damn good athlete. I even heard 
you know, guys like yourself talking about, hell, if he was a slot receiver, he'd probably still be a, you know, a scholarship, a FBS high-level player. Um, so I like his athleticism. Right. I I know that I wonder if Tom Herman's gonna get addicted to, you know, Sam Ellinger's got this element of his game that is so unique. You know, I mean, I, I and he's almost getting typecast with it too. That but remember Bucky Brooks had that comment that you know he was surprised at how you know great that Sam threw the ball at the Elite Eleven camp. It's like well you just haven't watched him. I mean, if you watch him, you that automatically you know oh this guy's a well-rounded quarterback. His X-Man ability is the fact that he's got a little Tim Tebow in him and that he's the best short yardage red zone quarterback possibly in the country. And I wonder what you uh, you were talking about uh, Jaquindon Jackson, I believe. Uh, yeah. We were just having a little little banter back and forth about him. You said, "Man, he's just a physical like freak." Like, do, do you know just, who, do you know who my comfort Jaquindon Jackson is? Honestly, give I, it to I, him. I've thought about this. Give it different to guys. I think he's Taysom Hill. <laughs> nice. Oh sh. Ooh. I think Damn. he's. I think he's Taysom Hill. You mean the white Vince Young? I, I think. I think he's <laughs> the, Taysom Hill. The one with the knee brace on. If he, the one if that he, got Manny Diaz fired. <laughs> the one that now is the the uh, the utility weapon of choice for Sean Payton. Because how good of an athlete is Taysom Hill? Because how good of an athlete is Taysom Hill? I mean, I was when I was feeling it. I love it, that. That's a cross racial comparison. I love cross racial yes. comparisons because it means good. you're not lazy in your comparison. <laughs> I, I, if he if he hits a quarterback, I think he could potentially be a better because a better version of Taysom Hill. See, and to me, I think Tom Herman. I think he. I think he kind of likes some of that. Yeah. I mean, there are obviously different types of dual threat quarterbacks, but man, that is a truly unique element of a quarterback who can also run in between the tackles. So it fits him perfect. I don't, I don't know and, if he. I don't, and so I don't know if he can do that. Can he do that? But if you're Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill did that. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're asking me, I don't know if he takes the oh, first nap in the first game of 2021. But if you're asking me if I've got to go place a futures bet on on who the next guy is after Sam Ellinger, going to Quinton. I'm, it's just too damn intriguing. To it's too damn yeah. intriguing. See? Let me ask you this: What would be say you were play, you were a bookmaker putting the odds though? Because I get bet Casey Thompson would be more of a guy as a favorite, or do you think Jaquindon would be? He's that good of an athlete that he wouldn't be the long shot. To no, do honestly, I, I think your best odds are either with Roshan Johnson or Hudson Card. Probably, I would yeah. say Hudson Card is going to be my. Number one choice right now, and His then I would say Jaqu- insane. Yeah, well, he actually had the highest at no, the Elite Eleven camp, yeah, right? It's like, like fifty-four or something like that, close mm-hmm. to fifty-five miles per hour. I would go Hudson Card number one. After him, I'm with you. I kind of I watched Jaquindon running the forty. I think he had like a little video of him running the forty on Twitter. He ran a four-four-five, dude. Big. I mean, that's that, that means you're talking about a power element, but also a guy that can run away from you. I'm gonna. I'm, I mean, I like. I like that you like him. That makes me like him even more. I'm gonna go with Jaquin in second, then Rashawn, then Casey last. Okay. Casey Thompson last. Matt, yeah. Matt, any any feedback on that? I think, like Rod said, that Jaquindon would be the perfect fit for if you just are diagnosing Tom Herman's previous quarterbacks and what he likes to do. Mm-hmm. But I almost would have to say Hudson Card just because it seems like that streamlined ability of being able to just start and have a familiarity with the offense and then the natural tools. So not only are you a guy that maybe be able to – be expected to take on the burden of being a really young starter and be able to be successful at Texas replacing somebody with high expectations because that's another thing is replacing the guy with high expectations you aren't given nearly as much wiggle room as a young player early in the career and Hudson Card may be the guy that's more of a developed at least to that collegiate level at that time so I'd say probably him but Jaquindon that seems like a great fit all right I've just realized we're not going to probably have time to get to all the questions that was a good <laughs> but, one. No, no, no. and that's that's 
not part, gonna be that that's good. Part, that was a really that's good part question. one of a three part question, right? Some of them are, re, are we have like are there's some there's yeah, some, some repetitive, repetitive questions. But that was a really good question. Yes, thank you, Grant Morris. Let's get to the rest of his question. Uh, two with all the weapons on offense, Ingram, Colin Johnson, Devin Duvernay, et cetera, who will get the biggest share of touches for Texas this year? Outside of Sam Ellinger, obviously. Um, I'm going to go with, oh, damn, that is good because the running back's going to be split up a little bit with Keontae Ingram and now Jordan Whittington in the backfield with him. Targets, well, Colin Johnson was right at 100. He was like at 106 last year, I think, targets, right? Right around 106, something like that. There's two factors I think you've got to take into consideration, Rod. I think number one is in the run game, Trey Watson had 185 carries last year. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it's So you've got to disperse those, and then you've got the 76 balls little Jordan Humphrey caught. That you've got to you've got to figure out how to disperse those. Yeah, and, and we don't know who that who the guy in the slot's really going to be either yet. That's yeah. that's why I think at least, uh, or, and I think a, a lot of his touches will probably cover. Not to say he'll taper off, but I just think you lean on him early because he's a proven commodity. I think it's going to be Keontae Ingram, mm-hmm. and I say that because I think he'll get, especially like against an opponent like Louisiana Tech, where you don't want Sam Ellinger running the ball twenty times. You don't want. Uh, I think you lean on Keontae Ingram, but. I think from from Tim Beck's standpoint, and I think this is where Tim Beck can really, you know, kind of put his stamp on the offense. I know we talked a lot about Larry Fedora and obviously Tom Herman, but I think Tim Beck puts his stamp on this offense in this way. You, know, you go back to his time in Nebraska when he had guys like Amir Abdullah and mm-hmm. Rex Burkhead, loves throwing the ball to running backs, loves having guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think Keontae Ingram gives you that rod, so that's why I think if you're if you're asking me who gets the biggest share of the touches, I think it's Keontae Ingram, almost just because of the position he plays. That's no knock on Colin Johnson yeah. or anybody else. Yeah, and no, I Well, and he's the veteran in that backfield as opposed to a guy like Jordan Whittington. And uh, we talked – remember we had the conference about ranking the most important players on the team? And he was – And we put him in – I think we had him I in the top, top three. I think top three. You I and I had, I had top two. three. I think uh, Jeff might have him in the top five. When I we had Colin it. Johnson ahead of him. You had Colin uh, Johnson yeah. ahead of and, and our only rationale at that time was he's just going to get so much work because yeah. the games where you don't want Sam exposed, you know, you want Sam – you're going to expose Sam versus LSU, versus Oklahoma – um, hell, one of those games where you get into a tight game, you're like, hell, I didn't know we were going to be in a tight game versus Kansas. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, those are the games. And then the bowl game and then the Big 12 title game. But other than that, you're going to protect Sam, but you still want to have the presence in the running game. How are you going to do that? That's Keontae Ingram. That's why he's gained, what, 20 pounds. Right. That's why. You know, so I, I agree with you. I think Keontae Ingram's going to be that guy. That's how important he is. And that's knock on wood that Keontae Ingram right. now can handle that kind of workload. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, even added on to last year, because it seemed as if he was, you know, hampered through most of it, yet still was almost that guy when you look at the numbers. And he led the team in targets amongst all the running backs. I mean, you had right behind him, Trey Watson had 28, and you had Ingram with his 31. But if you even look at rushes last year, Keontae. They had 142 and Sam 138. This is filtering out kneel downs and garbage time. So actual running plays, he had more than Ellinger, not to mention those 31 targets added on that Trey Watson only had 40 more rushes or 43 more rushes and then had a few fewer targets. So if you're absorbing some of that workload from Watson and then just dispersing what's left, he could be one of the guys that's actually technically, say, a lion's share of touches like if you go across college football there's a few guys that handle both duties and he could be a guy that literally could easily have 40 plus receptions 50 plus targets because Watson and him combined last year for 59 targets and they caught 49 of those balls and then they combined for 318 
Yeah, 322 total rushes. Well, that would go back to uh, the 30-40 club that I have, right? Yep. The last guy we've had at Texas who had at least 30 rushes and 40 receptions in the season. You got to go back to Chris Obanaya in 2008 before yep. him. You go all the way back to 1988 to Eric Metcalf. But Tom Herman loves those guys, right? Tom Herman's had a, a couple of those guys in his tenure uh, at least Ingram at, almost at, last year had 27 receptions, yeah. and that he was injured and didn't even play in some Exactly. Games. So at, at, at Rice, at his time there at Rice, he had a couple of guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it uh, Casey? Oh, yeah, James Casey. James Casey, right. Damn near everything. James Casey. I think he did it two years in a row, actually, uh, at yeah. Rice. He had at least 30 rushing and 40 receptions. And then he had at U of A, the running back, who actually transferred from Texas. Duke Catalan. Duke, Duke Catalan. Thank you very much. Yeah. I so think, I want to say boy. I want to yeah. say one of his running backs at Iowa State, maybe Alexander Robinson. He might have done too. Yeah. I think he was a forty catch guy. Yeah. So he'll. I, I. I agree with you, Matt. I think he Keontae could easily be end up being that guy. I wouldn't doubt if if Jordan Whittington randomly ends up becoming that guy too. Um, depending on how they want to use him. And if you look across the board, I mean, he could be a guy that gets forty percent of all touches for the offense. Yeah. Any dark horse contributors? To round out Grant Morris's question, uh, on the offense, yeah, um, the only dark horse contributor that I would think of, I, man, that's, I'm gonna go with um, Whittington because he's the dual threat type. He guy. is, but whoever plays that that uh, that uh, was it that H, yeah, whoever. I don't know who, and we don't know position. who's gonna be yeah. yet, but we know Tom Herman loves that position, and we know Lou Jordan Humphrey. He was unorthodox there, but Tom Herman loves. So if Jake Smith comes in and he's automatically, you know, the starter and, you know, he's the guy that's perfect for that role, you know, I would say maybe whoever plays that H, and right now it looks like Jake Smith may be the guy, but Jordan Whittington also could play that well, role. I mean, if so he, he could be that down, guy. I'd like to see a surprise at some point in the season if, say, you're in a tough situation against a defense that's shutting you down or good corners, put Colin Johnson in there. Like, Colin Johnson is oh, the type of guy yeah. that is body size. Well, they but should definitely move those guys if around. If they yeah. move Colin Johnson to that being a primary role, though, then you could talk about his numbers exploding. And in that same vein, I think Malcolm Epps is, could help you in your – could be your, that guy. Alleviate some of the, the yep. workload off Sam in the red zone. I because agree of, you've got you got two power forwards, basically. You can go lob the ball up, too, with, with yep. Malcolm Epps and Colin Johnson. Okay, uh, we'll go to uh, David at Iron underscore Gunslinger on Twitter. Do you have any confidence that if Sam gets hurt, Casey Thompson can lead this offense? Yes, I do. Number one, because Tom Herman is mm-hmm. a, he's just he's accustomed to his starting quarterback going down at some point. I'm knocking on some wood here because mm-hmm. I don't want that to happen. But I believe like his I'm going to say his last what seven years or so as an OC or a play caller or a head coach. You have to deal with a backup quarterback coming in. He's Tom, the last year Tom Herman did not have to go through a year where he needed his backup quarterback at some point was 2008 at Rice. In 2011, I believe, was the last time – or 2010, actually, was the last time Texas didn't have to use at least two quarterbacks. Even in 2016 year where Shane Bouchelle plays the entire season, you still have the you know the 18-wheeler package, and Tyrone Swoops is one of your main contributors on yeah. that offense. So – Man, and, of course, we know the last two years. So, you know at one point, and we pray it's not going to happen, but his, recent history tells us that that backup quarterback is going to play a, a crucial role in at least one game next year. I do have confidence because I think Tom Herman it knows this. He's not an idiot. He's a Mensa guy. He knows i got to have that guy ready to go for those one or two games. So, whatever he does well, those one or two things he does really well right now yeah. in his development – you know you can build at least a, 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 a maybe a rudimentary game plan around it. Maybe he, not Casey Thompson, I, I have confidence that with his skill set and within the framework of this offense, Casey Thompson can get them through a game with go. a competent game plan. Yeah. 
and the great thing about what Texas has right now and what Texas has, say, lacked for most of the past decade was the reason why you want to get a really good offensive scheme and have this foundation that everything is based upon is because in the modern game of football, like you have streamlined automated offenses if you are able to just do the right thing schematically and get yourself into the right situation. It's why you go and look for these offensive minds because we have seen that you can insert replacement players here or here and do this at all of these smaller level schools and still get satisfactory pr- production not to say that you get mm-hmm. great production but you want to have it to where then you fall back back in that if you have a bad offense or you have a few structural flaws or a few things that you are not scheming open when you drop from your star or say your starter player to an average quarterback that's when you have what Texas saw for seven years when you don't have that foundation and the scheme around them and that's when you get get bad quarterback play so it's sort of like why you go out and get a guy like Tom Herman and to be able to implement this modern offense that uh, he's proven wherever he's been if it's Ohio State where you have to go for all the way down to Cardell and run three different quarterbacks you can go down and still have the structure of the offense not really be changed not be so uh, formula based like say Texas had been in previous years even when successful or when you don't have say uh, very much talent then you get exposed in certain mismatches also the supporting cast I think helps out a, a backup quarterback you have a, a Keontae Ingram we just talked about. He's more of he's veteran now. You got Colin Johnson outside, and also he doesn't need an accurate football. <laughs> I mean, if he's one on one, it's an easy read. Devin Duvernay with his speed. I think those are things that that can help a young quarterback because when Devin Duvernay is open, he's going to be open. Mm-hmm. I mean, it ain't going to be like <laughs> it ain't going to be something you got to you know throw him open. He'll be open, and Colin Johnson doesn't need to actually be open. You know what I mean? I think the supporting cast, Randall, will help them. And we'll see how the tight ends, Randall, because tight ends can be a safety blanket for a yep, quarterback, yep. especially a backup. All right. MJ at Thrilla underscore strong. Any chance the Horns get another transfer, Tavian Feaster, or anyone else at this point? I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't yeah, I don't see that either, actually. I haven't heard anything. So. I mean, last I heard on Tavian Feaster was it was either going to be South Carolina or Virginia Tech. Is the Clemson running back? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't heard anything. I think if you're Tom Herman, Rod, it's probably too late in the game at this point. You haven't gotten anybody in for the summer. Yeah. You're going to give them a crash course during camp. When I mean, especially with the way Tom Herman is when, I mean, if you say, well, Danny Young and Kirk Johnson have been here since winter conditioning and the spring ball and yeah. summer conditioning, you know, busting it, they've at least earned the right to go compete in camp. I agree with that. You still got a couple of guys that you don't really know what they're going to offer, whether it be – uh, Daniel Young and him just uh, not really developing um, in in the way that you expected, or with Kirk Johnson because of his injuries. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you never know. I think you got some guys that you know maybe you can you know count on to give you some reps here and there. Pretty much this backfield is going to be Keontae Ingram and Jordan Williams. Yeah, not, and not to say that you would turn down Tavian Feaster, but oh, at no. this point, it just doesn't seem doesn't yeah. seem feasible. Uh, Griffin McCombs on Twitter over under nine and a half wins in the regular season. Over. I, I feel confident saying that. I mean, I I'm know at, that you have. I'm at 10 and 2, Rod. Yeah, I'm confident saying you're over a nine and a half. I mean, the only losses that are going to be acceptable, the truth be told, for Longhorn fans, and I hate to say that just because he's now a prisoner of his own excellence and good for Tom Herman because that's where Mac Brown was in his heyday. LSU is an acceptable loss to Longhorn fans. Of course, Oklahoma is. And I want to say that might be it. See, on I, your schedule right now, Longhorn fans will not accept a loss. Any, any, any loss to any anybody yeah, else on their schedule, they'll consider that to be an uh, a, 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 an underachievement. You're, you yep. know, what I mean, like that you 
that you underachieved somehow. You guys Even know me. Even if it's a, a good win by them. You guys know me. I have an irrational confidence, an irrational level of confidence about the Oklahoma game now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think that's one of the two losses. I, to me, I, I think it's LSU and somebody, somebody else. Yeah. TCU randomly. Somebody, somebody sneaks up on them. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. Iowa State randomly. I could see that. Yeah. Matt Rule having a good game plan. I, I could see somebody sneaking up on them, but Lohan fans are going to be pissed about those oh, yeah. losses. About the LSU loss and Oklahoma loss, I think they could – Longer fans will rationalize it and they'll talk it through. It's understandable. Oh, those are the losses? Man, they're not going to let – they're going to lose their freaking minds. It does feel sort yeah. of like it's, it was back in your day, though. That's awesome. That, that's that's the baseline exactly that right. you're like that. And it's like basically the OU game, the only thing – if you get blown out by 50, that's about yeah, the only time. Yeah, you can't blown out by anybody, though. Exactly. Any blowout exactly. is, is bad that's, to anybody. That's, that's, I mean, that's when you're at that point as a program, yeah. that's a good place to be. No and coyote ugly losses. I know that Jeff and I talked about the over last week after the show. I meant to mention it, but at the time, uh, over 9.5 was paying about even money, which means – they were enticing people sort of to take the over, which is sort of not good if you're, say, a betting guy and a Texas fan because that means Vegas is on the under a little bit, and then it's moved even more. It was minus 130 on the under. Now it's down to minus 145, so you got to put up 145 bucks yeah. to win 100 if you want to take under. If yeah. you want to take over, you put that 100, it turns into 115. So it's moved even further into the direction of Vegas if you're a Texas fan. And that means that right now it's trending the way that big money's saying Texas under nine and a half. But if you're feeling strong, and I am too, they Damn. are, I think that it's feasible as long as you don't have any missteps. No road games, but this year road schedule isn't nearly as hard. Have to win at home. And like we said, it gives you those two losses to Texas or to LSU and to Oklahoma, but you get 100 to win 115, so if you like it, right now it's just maybe even going to keep growing too. All right, Griffin McCombs, the second half of his question and the first half of Nick G's question. Nick G is at underscore Nick G with the I as a number one. Uh, Buy or sell a national championship by 2022? Uh, And Nick G, how far is Texas from competing for a national championship? I think the roster is going to be there, Rod, by the by the time you get to the 2020 season where you can say, okay, Texas is a legit contender for the playoff. Um, I think yeah. if we're talking to I don't, wins, I don't know if they're legitimate they're contender in right now. They're in a conversation. Yeah, I'd say they're a contender right now, but I don't think they're going to win one before 2022 because you just got to think of context of history. Like, Texas had none before Vince Young since 1970. It's it's really hard to do it. But in the modern setup, at least you have more of a chance now since 14. Well, see, okay, so then this goes back to the uh, the original first question that we had mm-hmm. because if you are talking about history, okay, yeah. well then that, and I agree with you. Um, then, you know, this is not going to be a Cam Newton situation where it's, you know, insert him yep. one year, win a national title. You're talking about building up to yep. this, you know, kind of this apotheosis, uh, to this climax. It's not going to be in Sam Ellinger's time. Yeah. Right. But we all agree Sam Ellinger is the transcendent figure at quarterback, and usually that's when Texas hmm. is in championship contention. That's when they win it. So then it goes back to, well, it's going to be somebody else. Sam's going to set them up, and then, you know, then somebody else is going to come up, and they're going to actually win. It's going to be the Chris Sims mm-hmm. to, you know, kind Vince of Young. Vince Young kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, man, I don't know Casey which Thompson's one that's – Yeah, I don't know which one that's going to be. I, right now I say you got to go all in when you got Sam because I've seen too many quarterbacks who's supposed to be the prince that was promised and ends up being yeah. a puppet. You know what I mean? Like, who the hell is this dude? And why the hell is he end up as starting quarterback? So, because I, like I, no, I don't think anybody thought. It, listen, I knew Sam was special because Jason Lasura, our boss here, continues to tell us because he coached him in Little League and how good he was. But 
I don't think anybody thought he was going to be this good. I mean, better than Vince Young, Colt McCoy, and their sophomore year yeah. good. Yeah. So now that you know, dude, to hell with you. Better go all in. Like you better be trying to win it in the next two years because there ain't no guarantees, man. Yeah, you, going forward, you guys that know you're gonna get that guy who's that special that's got that it quality like he does. You guys know anybody at Horns twenty four seven that's followed my work knows or listens to this podcast. I've been pointing to 2020 is is the year. Sam yep. senior year, got the 2018 class. They'll be in their third year. You'll have those guys that will be draft eligible and, and looking to make big moves. So I, I think 2020. I don't know. I'm not going to say Texas wins a national championship, but at that point, I think I won't say it'll be a disappointment if they don't make the CFP. But I'll be disappointed if they're not in it throughout the season where they're in the discussion as one of the four best teams in the country. Yeah. No, it would be a disappointment if uh, Sam doesn't play a one college football playoff in his time at Texas. I think that would be considered a disappointment. Yeah, for sure. His, I mean, his <laughs> career's perfectly aligning yeah, as your collegiate. Right yeah. your, he's exactly what you want in a collegiate college quarterback. He's good enough to be good as an underclassman, yet probably not going to leave early, and he loves the school so much that he, even if he was so talented that he could leave early, he may actually come back. Just for so the championship. Like, exactly. Play, and play it was title. sort of like, yeah. you know, Colt got a raw deal in 08, and then he was at least able to get there in 09, a raw deal. But if you had a playoff, he would have made them those last two years. So this is a perfect setup like Texas. If you get one of these quarterbacks a decade, you're going to be looking good, and Texas may have got three in the past 20 years. Yeah. All right, Rod, this might have been the most popular question we got. Nick G posed it and several other people posed it. Where are you at in the process of getting your T-ring back? <laughs> Uh, I just haven't, yeah, I haven't went up there and talked to anybody. But I went, I ordered it. He did a, the process. long time ago. Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's, it's safe. Like it's not like somebody's gonna steal it or anything. You like should it. get the okay. safer there it is with me. So this, you, okay, yeah, so right, let's just clarify right. though. Just, let's just like clarify. <laughs> let's just clarify. You've ordered it. Yeah. It is on the 40 acres right now. Yeah, it's somewhere over there. You just have to go get it. Got to go get it. I got to okay. go talk to the right people, find out where it is. I think you got a good plan, man. Keep yeah. it there. It's safer Until there than it is with me. Two of lost. them. Dude, it's safer there than it is with you me. Can Ain't no show rush. Up anytime. Yeah, it's fine. Like, we it's should, good. You know what we should do? We should talk to CDC and see if we can put Rod B's T ring in the new museum in the, in the <laughs> North End Zone. No, you get laughed. You know, Turf of the CDC would probably scoff at it. Oh, then. man, they got no, <laughs> man, can you imagine? They, they tell them to just put it up there like like a necklace around your all-American wrist. Can no, you can you imagine smile. how many Blitz listeners would go to the Hall of Fame just to be like, oh, that's, that's Rod B's T-ring, right? Like there. four of them would go. <laughs> you wouldn't even to tell the difference between the guys who are there and the guys who are out there smoking menthols, just chilling, fighting on the bus. For sure. <laughs> that's what it would be. Oh, uh, but no, no, it's safe over there. Trust me, I take pride in it. Uh, that's why I used to, that's why I've lost to because I wear it. I used to wear it all the damn time. But my girlfriend has convinced me now. Next time we get it, you don't wear it. Like I can't wear it unless I'm going to a well, special you're a event. Guy, uh, no, I like, wouldn't say a yeah. full germaphobe, but you like to wash your hands. I wash my hands all the damn time. You lose it, so I lost you, it. That's just too I much wash my hands all the damn time. And <laughs> while you're on the national championship, it's 25 to one odds right now for Texas. Okay. That's not bad. Yeah, uh, six teams better. Ballin 19 at 20. Ballin 12 on Twitter wants to know which freshman will make an impact this season besides Whittington. I think the best bet's Jake Smith, right? Jake Smith is my my money is on Jake Smith. Um, that's a good. That's a good question. Um, uh, I, I think Jake Smith, Rod, but I think maybe early on it's in the return game because that's a, that's an area where Texas got to get figured out. Yeah, 
but I, I, you know, Deshaun Jameson. Oh, he just dealt with the injury, didn't he? Get what happened to Deshaun? No, Jameson? but he moved to corner and moved to and, corner, and, and they didn't been, seem yeah, like they were around. that high on him as a punt yeah, returner. I, I mean, even though he was one of the best return guys in the country in his, in his high school class, I mean, maybe he had the return last year, right? Yeah, Kansas? against K State. Yeah. K State, K State, right? The ninety yarder. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, would, I, I think you're right. Jake Smith has got to be the guy because that H role is that H receiver is so important, and he's so he's probably the ideal fit for a Tom Herman H receiver in that slot. Right. And right now, when we're just trying to guess who's going to play that or you know project who's going to be in that role, all we can see right now is Jake Smith. So I'm with you. I think I think Jake Smith is the guy. You're looking at and, one, and I think one of those two freshman linebackers. I think David Benda or Marcus Tillman. I think one of really? them. I think one of them ends up playing quite a bit. My I lean more towards Benda just based on some of the things I've heard from summer workouts. But, yeah, I, I think one of those linebackers. Because linebacker, Rod, it's another position like H. Like, outside of McCulloch, do we really know what's there? No. no. We have um, – yeah, but oh, about Dele, Deoway, and all those guys. Yeah, I think it would be a little competition at linebacker because I don't know if he's going to need as many as the season goes on. But, yeah, I mean, he's still got to find three or four he trusts, and maybe maybe he could be in those three or four. All right, I'm going to save this question for later. Let's go ahead and kind of rapid-fire some of these. Uh, Mac, right. Mac at Texas Fight 1012, thanks as always for the support. Uh, I think there needs to be some stakes for the schedule game. Put the Blitz belt on the line, which the Blitz belt is in uh, in my office at my house right now. Um, <laughs> I forgot I we had know. the belt. You, you guys want to think about stakes uh, for Yeah, we could do like a bet of something. We could do something. I mean, I I'm down still anything. Yeah, I'm I think I still talking you about guys. tasering for a long time. Nobody gets tased because now Jeff, Jeff has, has kids. kids. And so he can't have I think that. I still owe you guys game. dinner from a few years ago. Yeah, <laughs> we can do something. We'll do something. We'll figure something out. I like that. We'll figure something out. That's where it's, we'll, it's, We should put more on the line. Please write, keep yeah. it in this Ask LHB thread or in the thread and just have a how y'all yeah. recommend what we'll we should uh, go and uh, throw out there? We may we can take some consultation. Yeah, here's an interesting one. With all the good CDC has done for UT, is there anything he's done that you're not a fan of? Ooh, I'm not a fan of. Oh man, that's good. Okay, I got it. It's got to be something. I'd have to look through the like. list of all the things <laughs> he's done a lot. He's been yeah, busy, dude, since he's been here. Not the top of my head. I gotta say, off the top of my head, he's been pretty freaking. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, and this is just crazy. I brought this up on my show. He, I don't even know if he's the best. I don't even know if he's the best AD in the Big Twelve. You know, what I mean? like he's he's amazing. Like he's really good. I'm talking about he can be a CEO for a Fortune 500 company. I'm not sure he's the best AD in the Big Twelve. That's how good the ADs are. Yeah, Jamie Pollard at Iowa Hoka. State, Mac Rhodes at Baylor, yeah, Kirby Hokut at Texas Dude, Tech. You got some damn good ones here. So Joe Stiglione at OU. Yeah, they got some good, some really good programs. But getting back to CDC, I love that he's he's. First of all, he is the most accessible. There's no way there's an AD that's more accessible than him. I've never seen anybody talk to fans. And, and DeLos Dodds was among the most chivalrous, kind-hearted you know, people you would ever meet. But I still don't know if he was as accessible as, as CDC is. Because CDC will, on Twitter, the most random people with yep. five followers, some freakazoid who's probably a, a bot, hits him up, and he will answer it. Every single one, it you, seems like. You I got, see him all the time. It's unbelievable. You got some ADs like Larry Tice at Texas State who doesn't even have a Twitter account. Exactly. <laughs> and this dude's answering people on Twitter and, like, giving shout-outs. So I, I love the fact he's accessible, and I, I love the fact he, he's he's not afraid to steal ideas. You're right. totally people transparent, don't admit, People just admit I, you steal, I, I, steal the idea. You ain't got to steal it verbatim. You ain't got to do exactly what they did. Steal it and make it your own. I, if you know there's, I, mean? I think the next thing, though, guys, the next thing for Chris Del Conte, though, that, that he's got to tackle, and, you know, you're getting the south end zone done, Baseball complex, basketball arena—that's going to come. Mm-hmm. 
you got to do something about LHN. You got to figure out what the long term plan is for LHN. Well, you don't. No, well, you don't. You got because that's 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 so far. Because then, well, then you're talking about the the actual TV contracts. Then you're talking about the the, the actual like the conference, like the television rights and broadcasting rights for the conferences and stuff. And that comes up in what 2022. 2023? Uh, I think it's 23 or 24. So, something. honestly, that's the conversation to have. To hell with, and I love LHN, but to hell with them. Well, I think like, well, because no, that I, conversation with the network, networks about the broadcast rights and the conference affiliation and realignment, that will ultimately, LHN is going to be a part of that. Or people will be like, man, you can't come to our conference with that. Or, you know, we'll we'll, we'll accept you with LHN. Like, I think that's the broader well, conversation. That's, that's what I'm saying is yeah. Chris Del Conte's got to decide. Is this How much even it is this even a product worth fighting for? Is okay, what I'm well, saying. But That's where you got to determine. Okay, is this something that we really need it to is worth by for. any means necessary hang on to, mm-hmm. or is it just hey, look, if it gets lost in conference realignment with what's best yeah. for the university, that's what then saying, yeah. so be it. It can be a deal breaker because right, no. exactly. Yeah, if it's a deal breaker, then you might end up on your own, which is not a bad thing. But even Notre Dame but that, at this but point that, has affiliation. Well, but that's where he's got to figure out if I that agree. is a deal breaker. And or you know not. what? And going back to this point, because it has not been maximized yet. You don't really know how much, how valuable it is. But that's well, just, this could potentially yeah. be the most valuable asset in all of college sports. And we, and, and, and University of Texas is one of the, I would say, they're one of the most forward-thinking organizations when it comes to maximizing revenue and maximizing exposure. That is one asset we've wasted. Well, and yeah. I, we've wasted, and I, they've done a great job there. Andy Wall does a great job, and so does Logan Lindo, and 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 so you know, with Manny the resources Asher, those and, folks are given, and they develop a ton of talent. Look at Amara Brooks. Look at James Slater. Look at, I mean, it goes on and on. They yeah. got they got people working everywhere, so it develops talent really well. But I agree, it's not what the fans thought it was going to be. Can well, we all admit and, that it's oh, not absolutely. what we thought it was going to be? And it's something that I'm pretty sure, I mean, I would have to look further into the exact, like, legal aspects on both sides. But the programming is sort of in ESPN's control. That's an ESPN entity to where you can tell, especially in the last, like, three or four years when ESPN has really had to cut back lots, just like any other type of normal mm-hmm. cable spectrum space, yeah. that they've had to cut back a ton. So there, it's basically been something that's just an added stream of promotion revenue now it hasn't been utilized say the best it could be but it's still something that is unique to you that really can only help you and be able yeah. to spread the word yeah. about you doesn't where, hurt it only and, helps and that's yeah. where basically del conte is something that's just he was birthed into the middle of it so he has no say in it in this legal aspect so this new ever-changing spectrum space in the way that it's just i mean everything nowadays is basically going to be through your own entity that i'd be surprised Surprised to see it ever go further than what it is now because now there's more power in a school like Texas to just be able to reach people via social media and reach people in other avenues, streams, and like you know, LHN has its little integration with ESPN, so the ESPN Plus will always be there. This is just one more of say it's an octopus's eight legs. This is just one tiny leg for the whole spectrum space that you're talking about reaching your fans for. So it can't hurt you, but it can only help you. And then if if you actually have the option down the road and say if there's conference realignment and you're aligning with ABC, it could be a giant because you already have the one unique space that can grow into something huge. Mm-hmm. But Del Conte hasn't even having a chance to get into the room to talk about these things. So until he does that or we even talk about the future, it's really out of his control from what I understand. Well, I just think he's got a the thing for me with LHN it's kind of the one thing as you said Matt it's like the one thing he hasn't really we haven't really heard about him doing anything with and again I'm not saying that's a fault of his own it just no. hasn't happened 
But the point I'm making is, Rod, we talk about maximizing asset, Matt, everything you said. My thing is he's got to figure out, is this even an asset worth maximizing? It definitely is. Yeah, yeah, because okay. nobody else has it. Yes. And you so just, that, that fact that nobody else has it mm-hmm. makes it valuable. Just determine, yeah. just determine, can you maximize it? Is it worth maximizing? And then within the framework of this ESPN contract, what can we do with it? Exactly. No, I agree. I, it should be a great tool of propaganda. It's not. They are limited. They are handcuffed. I've been over there. I've been behind the scenes. They right. are handcuffed because of budgets, yeah. as Matt was talking about. So there, there are a lot of great ideas that are thrown out there that they really cannot execute because they just don't have the resources. Well, to do and ESPN it. just recently had got a new president within the past yeah. year. So when this new president is implementing things, I mean, they, we may see a whole revamped version soon. We may see something it, never. But right now, just being in what the mother company with Disney's doing with everything, and then them losing. Yeah, their they got other. I got other fi- bigger fish. LA to is just yeah. one of the eight different, yeah. you know, ESPN. But, but I'm surprised Tom Herman, and I know he's got bigger fish to fry as well, but because he's got Derek Chang on his staff, who used to be yeah. a producer for LHN. He under and they, obviously look at all the social media samurais he's hired, you know, as their added staff. He understands the power of propaganda and the power of social media and the power mm-hmm. of influence. And LHN can be extremely influential. It could be your Fox News, man. To reach your demo, that's all you want to talk to, and that's all they want to see. Is and, and my fact is they don't give the fans what they want. The fans want football. They want football all the time. You can sprinkle in whatever the hell else you want, but you get the fans football, and that's all the fans will care about, and they'll love that channel for it. They don't give enough of that. There should be there should be a camera. There should be a reality. Why aren't there more reality TV I shows on LA? It, it, reality TV has taken over. Why? Why? Because it's cheap. It's the cheapest thing to film. Turn on the camera. Two and damn follow cameras. People. Follow a walk on around. Life of a walk on on LHN. Boom. And you know, okay. The, the, the cheerleaders have tryouts for the yep. cheerleaders in the palm squad. You know what? A lot of people like to look at really smoking hot women. Okay. So how about you have like the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders trial? Mm-hmm. Let's put a camera out there. And let's watch the trial for the palm squad and cheerleaders. Like there's some things that they are not doing themselves because I think they are a little. I think they are. They just become complacent over there. You know, I mean, they got really good jobs. It's great. But, I mean, there's some things you can do with a fixed budget that they're not doing, but also they're not given the resources they need to to fulfill these promises. And you know what's so great? It's, ab- it's upsetting for me. You know what's great I love, about- it. I love the thought of it. But One thing you know I have enjoyed, they've improved the programming. They have so many random-ass games on nowadays. It used to be horrible Which like three years ago. That's but great. no, I'm just saying, at least I've noticed some change of late. Because for a couple of years, yeah. it was all the same. And just give people football. If you ain't got nothing else to play, Play all football and games. That's and that's all they've been doing, dude. And people I watch so many random games. At least they figured that out. Yeah. And, and you know what's great about if you do a reality show on a college campus? You don't have to pay your talent. You don't pay them nothing. What are you waiting on? And yeah. you know what the kids want? The kids will love it. Yeah. yeah, they'll love it. They'll become reality TV stars. What twenty-one year old would love to have their own freaking reality show? Why didn't we have Jack? Why didn't we follow Jackson Hayes around for the draft? Maybe they yeah. did, and I wasn't watching it. But that should have been a reality. T- and I know he he probably would have to, you know. Then after that, maybe you got to pay him. I don't know, but I don't know. I think they just miss a lot of opportunities for simple stuff, man. Just simple stuff. Anyway, uh, Max, last question: If you could replace one coach, who would it be, and who's his replacement? I guess one coach on the Texas staff. Wow. I don't think it's who would I replace. I, I think the thing I worry about is what are you going to do when the time comes that Todd Orlando gets an opportunity that is just too good to pass up? Wow. Yeah. Mm, I think Todd Orlando wants to win a title here at Texas, though. And I, I think, get that feeling, yeah. And, but but I, what I, I think you'll have him for a couple more years, and he, they keep having to you know, pay him more money, which they're going to have to because teams are going to come after him. He's really talented. And even in the NFL, they love Tyrell Orlando's scheme because they watch it a lot because he plays against Big 12 offenses and really good quarterbacks. 
I think for Tarlan, he's he's still finding out who he is as a DC in this Big Twelve, and I think yeah. he understands this is going to help me grow. This this conference, I am, they're going to they're forcing the best out of me. And and I'm getting the best. I'm getting the best D linemen. I'm getting the best DBs in the state of Texas. So I think he wants to see what his scheme can do with this type of talent versus the best offensive minds in the country. I think we're going to keep him for a couple of more years. You know what I mean? But then, yeah, you're right. After that, you got to start grooming somebody else. I mean, like, are, is he grooming Craig Niver right now? Maybe. Is that, we don't is know. That yeah, what's going point. on? Or, or, you know, and, and is it like a Craig Niver, Jason Washington combo? Yeah. I don't know. But. Yeah, but you're right. You got to always be thinking about that because you can't get caught off guard when your guy decides, hey, I'm chunking to do some leaving. That, and, and the other thing I want to, uh, when it comes to the staff, Rod, there, there's a couple things. One, I think when you talk about, oh, does this guy need to be fired or whatever, there's a reason Tom Perman put all his assistants on one-year contracts right. because the message is, if you don't produce, there's nothing at the end of the, the end of the road here. Yep. You, know, you either produce or we'll find Same somebody who will. Same message to the players, which I like. Yeah. Same message to the players. <laughs> and I do wonder if guys like Paul Williams or Larry Fedora or Andre Coleman, if they end up being really good fits, does Tom Herman then feel like, I've got to find a full-time spot for this guy? Yeah, upgrade. You know, yeah, even the co-position or something like that. So, yeah, yeah just something interesting to uh, – to think about all right uh on twitter we got to go rapid fire with some of these guys do it. uh burnt orange at a hansen 3297 on twitter do the longhorns have someone on the roster to replace that can replace gary johnson i think he is missed big time will the d be as good better or worse than last season uh n- no there's nobody on the roster that can replace gary johnson can't find very many linebackers that run, run a four legit 4-4 four four. <laughs> yeah, mm, so, sorry no. so no uh, and then what about the dbs are they going to be good this year or will the defense be as good better or worse than it was last season oh um i think it'll be as good i don't know if it'll be better just because it's so much inexperience i mean you're talking about you're talking about the the most inexperienced defense texas has had in the last 30 years that i can count all right, and I'm not saying they're not talented, but that's a, that's a lot of inexperience. They'll have, to, they'll have growing pains, but I think they'll be just as good as they were last year because uh, I think the DBs will compensate for the losses you have at linebacker, and that D line and the depth you have there will also compensate for the losses you had at linebacker. Yeah, and I agree fully. It won't probably won't be as good yet numerically. It may prove out to be better, like if you just look at the numbers next year, because the culture of the Big 12 is down in Texas's favor. Without Holgerson, without Kingsbury, without the quarterbacks, Murray. And so I really, if you put these two in any objective year, give me last year's defense. Yet, if you look at the production, you may be able to bet, oh, yeah, they're going to finish with a number less yards or whatever than they did say, last that. year. Well, well said. Uh, we just kind of talked about this. What do you think the record will be at the end of the season? I'm kind of at ten and two. Right I'm at ten and two right now. I got a loss to. Oh man, I don't know who those two losses are. Let's that's, that's, that's move on. That's a different discussion. <laughs> I don't know who they are. I'm uh, gonna, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go under just because Vegas is. I've been saying over the whole time. I just don't like the way the numbers are moving. So mm-hmm. Matt, you're nine and three, or maybe yeah, somehow, which okay. really mm-hmm. angry. That Texas would fans. it would be a, oh, maybe so pissed. Uh, who will Texas play in the Big Twelve Championship? Oklahoma. Yeah, and, and honestly. I hope it's that way for the next five years or so. I hope it becomes like some – it's an annual thing. Texas OU uh, in October and then Texas OU again at the end of the year. And it should be that it's, way. It's very – It should be that way. I don't I don't like the way the Big 12 is set up, but if you're Texas or Oklahoma, that's your argument for getting in the playoff. Like, we beat them twice. Twice. On a neutral <laughs> field twice. And if you need a bump, hell, I can beat them if they're highly ranked and then I get a bump. Like, it's, it's almost perfect for Texas and OU each yeah. year. It really is. Yeah. 
Uh, well, last year, hell, OU got to say, well, we avenged our one loss. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get the, either way. It, it kind of it's a win win, man. I love the I love the system, but I'm a, I'm biased. Okay, <laughs> Ben Ben Blacklock uh, on Twitter at Big Ben Blacklock. I had to say that very slow. Yes, very it's like that win. Ross Blacklock from um, yes TCU. TCU. That's yeah. almost like strategically <laughs> Twitter handled so people will miss <laughs> and then say yeah. a curse word and get fired. So ben, <laughs> thanks for the Twitter handle Ooh. there. And many friend. options you could screw that up too. Uh, who are the three players that must show visible signs of improvement from last year for this team to either replicate or surpass the success, meaning nine-plus wins achieved last season? Uh, Malcolm Roach has got to be big. Yeah, I agree. He's got to be better than he was last year. He's going to be huge, no matter if he's playing DN or inside playing D-tackle. Um, I'll go with Keontae Ingram, of course. We talked about him. He's got to be much better than he was. And he wasn't bad last year, but he's yeah. now a sophomore instead of a freshman. And man, who am I? Oh, I, I gotta I, go O line somewhere on that O line. No, I'll go. I'll go secondary. I'll go Brandon Jones because he's got to okay. add the ball skills aspect to his game. Now we know mm. he's one of the better open field tacklers yeah. in this league. We know he can come up and thump, but can you do Rod what the NFL is valuing safeties to do now? Can you finish plays and get the ball back for your offense? I agree with that. I'll take that. If I go four, I'll go O line, and I'll go Sam Cosme. As good as advertised, he's got to be better. And I know he was pretty damn good last year, but now he's moving to left tackle. He's gonna be the Fortress, you know what I mean, on that line. Yeah, I, I need to, I need to see it from Denzel Okafor because I think I, I, you yeah. know yeah. you've got the chance to be really good on the left side, center to left tackle with Shackelford, Parker Braun, and Cosme. But on the right, yeah, cursed I mean, there to maybe somewhere or yeah. If Denzel, if Denzel, if you hit on Denzel Okafor, if he hits and he can solidify right tackle, I'm not saying he's got to be an All Big Twelve guy, but just to where we're yeah, not he paying can attention to right tackle, then it becomes much easier to figure out where you put cursed at her. I agree. Yeah. Okay, well that was quick. Uh, we got some recruiting questions, and we'll get you know we'll get Mike's uh, input on some of that. So I'll, I'll save some of those. Uh, what this is uh, D Lime at D Lime eighty six. What needs to happen for the team to have Tom Herman's first thousand yard running back as a head coach? Oh, nothing. They just have to commit to the pro spread. I mean, the Kansas Ingram should be a thousand yard runner. And, and it's only not. good if he isn't probably because it means somebody else. Like it's Jordan like a, like, is having also a really good like year. Like a year like, like in 05 yeah. when you or have Sam a saturated a really amount of backs. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm with you. I, I guess basically uh, they have to lean on Keontae Ingram and only lean on Sam in those games we talked about, LSU. Uh, basically, Sam only gets those 15-plus rush uh, attempt games, LSU, Oklahoma, you know, uh, Big 12 title game. Like you're saving him. For those games where you know, hey, we're going to have to break out Bam Bam Sam. Because of that, I think Keontae Ingram will get to 1,000 yards. Not going to be 1,300 yards. No, he's going to be like at 1,003. You know, he's going to be right mm-hmm. there because they're going to divide that up between a lot of people. Uh, Simon K. Simon, we always appreciate your contributions and, and your love for the podcast. But you had a couple questions, Rod's T-ring, and then, you know, some win-loss stuff that uh, – that we've already covered, mm. but I wanted to give you a shout-out nice. anyway. Uh, same thing, uh, Albert Garcia, your question was about breakout guys at linebacker. I uh, talked about both David Benda and Marcus Tillman yeah. already. I, I tend to think it's going to be uh, – Well, anybody can be breakout there because all of our linebackers are gone. So Jeff mm-hmm. McCulloch can technically be a breakout yeah, guy. That's, what, I said, that's what I said about well, McCulloch's so unique. is like, well, yeah, I mean, he hasn't been a starter, so, yeah, he's a breakout guy. But, he's yeah. also a now-or-never guy. He's also like an underrated guy. And going to Big 12 plays. media days. He's also a huge question mark because we haven't seen – him do it consistently. Coaches so. expect him to be a leader, though. They wouldn't have 
invited him to Big 12 Media Days. He's, he's doing one like the, the one, right? He's, he's one of, what, two, I mean, defenders, three defenders? Well, he, three he's going guys? to Media Days, but he's doing like the Big 12 Champions for Life deal. So, also, oh, he's not going at he, the, like, he the, won't be a part of like the, the Media Day stuff uh, that the other five will. But the fact that. Interesting. He's okay, going, so I didn't know that. All right, I take that back then. I didn't know that till that got clarified. Okay, uh, good. I'm glad that was clarified. Till that got clarified mm. yesterday. Oh, uh, we got more questions about Rod's teetering. Here's one. <laughs> here's one from uh, another another loyal uh, supporter of the podcast at South thirty nine sixty nine on Twitter. Rod, if you were a recruit today, who would you sign with? Oh wow, I sign with Texas. It wouldn't even be a question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no question. Like it, it'd be Texas all the way. I, the, the, yeah, I mean, just yeah. I'm just thinking about how the way things are trending right now. Yeah. I wouldn't want to stay in the state. I probably would have been down to Texas and Texas A&M again, honestly. Think about the childhood you no, grew up in from 1981 to 1998. Texas didn't win a ton of yeah. stuff, and you went to Texas. Yeah. So the past, if you've been raised in the past 18 years where Texas had a lot of I probably good would, times. Yeah, it would have been Texas or Texas A&M. Yeah, even if Bama recruited me or something like that. What if I Tim mean, Brewster was still in College Station, though, when you were getting recruited? You'd have been an Aggie. He'd be in North Carolina it's, with it's Mac Brown. It's very possible. Like, uh, I'm assuming Tom Herman. No, I'd have came to Austin and I'd have been good. Dude, I went to College Station or in Austin. North Carolina. Everybody knows my personality and they'd be like, oh, dude, I want to live in Austin. So, yeah, I still would have been at Texas. Good question, though. Uh, CB, definitely we always appreciate your contributions, CB. sir. Rod, where would Brandon Jones rank in your all-time DBU list you made a few years ago? Oh. And where would uh, the Wolf of DKR, Caden Stearns, and B.J. Foster be ranked? Wow. Obviously, those guys are not done yet, so it's hard to try to do the rankings. But damn, CB, you, I, you know, I got to update them. And because of you, CB, I'm going to go home this week, and I'm going to have those updated before we get to Big 12 Media Days, and I will have you a – updated dbu rankings i promise you I, I really don't want to disrespect anybody in dbu by by putting those guys ahead of them so i'll say right now caden stearns is on track to i'll say they're on track he's on track to be right now in the top five potentially on the mount rushmore like that's how that's what kind of track he's on because yeah. we haven't had a freshman make the first team all big 12 first team all conference on defense in, i want to say in dbu that in the modern history of DBU. A true freshman, yeah. A true, I, a true Earl freshman. Thomas was I wrote, the, I wrote the story, and, freshman, and, the, and yeah. the argument can yeah, be yeah, made. Sorry, did Caden Stearns have the best defensive season for a true freshman in school history? Exactly. We haven't seen a true freshman really do that. So I would say he's on track to be, man, possibly Mount Rushmore. Brandon Jones is on track to be top 15. He hasn't been All-American yet, I don't believe, right? So he's just been an all-conference player. This is supposed to be his year to, to you know take that leap. And B.J. Foster, although he may be low on my DBU rankings because I don't know if he's going to get the love because he is with Brandon Jones and Caden Stearns. And then he'll be after Caden Stearns. And hell, after that, you still got really good safeties coming up. In terms of versatility, I think in the NFL, he may be as popular as any of them. I, I, said, that when they were, I said that when they were getting recruited. I said, <laughs> I, I think Caden Stearns has the better college career. I think B.J. Foster's drafted higher. I think they, the NFL coaches love him more because they like, dude, this guy can play linebacker. This guy can mm. end up. He can be your honey badger, basically. Have him play deep safety, have him play, play the slot, all those things. That's what's becoming more valuable at the safety position in the NFL. Uh, Last Stand Hats, at Last Stand Co. on Twitter wants My, to know, how does one become able to sit in and chat for a podcast asking for a friend? Uh, <laughs> Mike, just come in. I we'll say we'll Mike, make that happen. Yeah, yeah, Mike, we could, we'll do it for you, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are uh, your VIP status, bro. You uh, family. Uh, Mike, I did get your DM, and I will hit you back yeah. uh, with uh, that information. So Last and half is blowing up, baby. It, uh, it is, man. It is. And uh, I'm definitely going to get in on that. I want to save this question that uh, a Twitter follower had for, uh, for Rod for later. 
something we hit on real quick, and we can you know go over this again. Uh, this is uh, going back to uh, Longhorn to uh, Horns twenty four seven on the flagship message board. CD Freeman wants to know: Do you see any potential staff changes after the season, specifically running back and D line spots? I think it's all guys are on one year contracts, and if you're not producing, Tom Herman's gonna go find somebody who will. That's the reason for it. Yeah, yeah. and I like it. He got the same. He's got the same mentality about his roster. Even Sam Ellinger said he's like. I don't really have my – he actually brought up the fact that, you know, sort of every, fair. everybody has to earn their spots. And I was like, we're like, really, Sam? He's like, no, no, everybody's got to earn their spots. It's the way we approach every day, and I like that. Uh, Matt070 wants to know – I think this is a great question. Maybe we shelve this and come back to it later, or it's maybe a next offseason topic after this coming season, depending on what he does. Been thinking about Sam's leadership and what it means to the team a lot lately. With that being said – who would you rank as the top five leaders in the past 20 to 25 years? Oh, at Texas? Yeah. Oh, that's damn good. Okay, so 25 years. So 1994. Right. So I'm going to go, oh, I'm going to go with Vince Young, Colt McCoy, Casey Hampton, Coy Redding. Oh, man, this is tough. Brian Arakpo? I didn't play with Rack, but I heard Rack was a damn good leader, man. I hear that 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 or James Earl Jones type of voice. It's <laughs> <laughs> like Casey Hampton has um, that. It's oh a lot different man, than the Colt McCoy voice. That is a voice. great question. I know people aren't going to like this. D.D. Lewis is in my nice. – D.D. Lewis is up there too, man. He was a, our middle linebacker. played in the league yeah. for like five, six As years. As an undrafted free agent. Undrafted free agent. D.D. Lewis was a great leader, man. That might be my top five right now. Oh. And obviously Sam is in that conversation too, but for the ones that I played with that I remember, I'll go with those. I'll go with those outside of Sam. I'm going to defer to you since you played there, and then the other names are Dude. the names I'd put with. Blake Gideon was a good leader too. People don't like to say oh, that. Oh, yeah, Earl Blake Thomas. Gideon. Earl Thomas told us on the yeah, podcast that he was like the yeah. reason why he was so good as a freshman because he put him in the spot every single game. Yeah, people don't want to hear I that. Mean, you, could throw, you could throw Manny Acho in there. Manny Acho, you could throw, you throw in there, Sam Acho in there. You could throw all, all the Achos. Uh, like I said. <laughs> Todos uh, los Achos. All the Achos. Quan, the Quan Cosby. Quan. Shipley's. Quan's Quan, got to be in there. Yeah. No, I'm that with you on that. That's a tough question, man. Hell, Case McCoy probably was somehow. But, it's, it's like that guy, for him to be able to get the respect of a room would be pretty crazy. Like when you're, the, bro, you're the son or yeah. and the brother of Colt, like uh, that one would be an odd I agree situation on that. to see. And he beat Oklahoma and yeah. he beat A&M. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, you know, he's the anti-Chris Sims. You know, yeah, he's man. the total opposite of and Chris And Chris Sims was a great leader too, man. He just didn't – you if you don't have those good – you don't have those great games and those big games, then it's hard for people to – Recognize that leadership, yeah. you know. Uh, let's see. Uh, base God Clayton at Horns twenty four seven wants to know: Keandre Coburn bigger impact in twenty seven than than twenty seventeen Puna Ford? No, I say no, no, no. Uh, not yet. Now he could uh, not a lot, but not. Now, no, I, not I talked to Bucky about this because Bucky coached the guy, not his position, but he was a member of the roster when when Bucky Gabo was a running backs coach at Texas. The comp I heard for Keandre Coburn was Chris Aikens, and Hmm. He's Chris Aikens is probably a step down. He will not probably he's a step down from like that Casey Hampton tier. Yeah. But you know, before his knee injury, Chris Aikens would have been drafted a lot higher than the seventh round or wherever he went. Okay. Because yeah. he had a, a really bad knee injury his last year at Texas. But yeah. I think if you're if you're thinking about what's the ceiling for Keandre Coburn, if he ends up being Chris Aikens, then I think he'll have he'll have fulfilled his promise. As I got go. not know how I can't remember how good Chris Aikens was. I got to go back and look, but I. I think Kendrick Herman's going to be really good. I just pulled him forward. Tom Herman said he was—he's among the three best D tackles he's ever seen or coached, and that's among 
Ed Oliver, Casey Hampton, and Puna Ford. So I don't know if he's going to be I don't there know that show. I've seen a player make a transformation <laughs> over a season from the Maryland game to the bowl game the way Puna Ford did in 2017. Yeah. Because we were on this podcast talking after the after the Maryland game, like, does Puna Ford need to be on the field? I remember some of those Because he was so bad in that game. And he ends up being arguably the best even the player they had out there uh, among a group of guys who were NFL caliber players. Yeah, and yeah. we talk about D.D. Lewis. Yeah, Puna Ford starting for the Seattle Seahawks as a rookie undrafted free agent. Yeah, you're right. Now, Seattle Seahawks love undrafted free agents, though. They mm-hmm. always find the best ones. They love, oh, them, yeah. te- <laughs> they love the them Texas undrafted free yeah, agents. Them Tyrone t- Swoops <laughs> also is <laughs> a roster player exactly with the Seahawks. Right, yeah. D.D. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this name. Shietti? S C H Y E T T I. Quite Sorry similar I... to Shweddy. Yes. Shweddy. Uh, what position group are y'all currently worried about that has the potential to have a big season? What position group are y'all confident about that you could see have a, having a disappointing season? So I guess what position are we oh, yeah, 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 worried yeah. about that could that be good? That could go the other or way. that we're confident and could go the other way? Um, o line is one that I'm confident in that could go the other way. Yeah, that's always. Linebacker is one that I'm really worried about that end up being spectacular because. We don't know. We don't know what any of those guys even have to offer. We just haven't seen enough from them. Right. I think in that aspect, though, Rod, I think people are maybe underselling corner a little bit. Like, cause I think we we it's know true. they're going to struggle, but I think we get to the end of the year and be surprised how really damn good Jalen Green and Anthony Cook are. Because they got a good D line and they got good safeties. You know what I mean around them. Uh, at Tyrone Swoops, uh, all at Horns twenty four seven. Not the Tyrone Swoops. I would assume it's not the Tyrone Swoops because uh, the last name isn't spelled the same. Uh, who has more total touchdowns, Jalen Hurts or Sam Ellinger? Sam does. Sam had forty one last year. Yeah, yeah. but Jalen Hurts in that in that Lincoln Riley offense. Mm, yeah, I don't know if he's gonna. Yeah, that's a good point. Now he's gonna. I mean, I think. Depends on his throwing game. How yeah, many he throws for. I I think it'll be Sam. Yeah, I'll take Sam. I'll take Sam. Yeah. 16 rushing touchdowns, second most among court, quarterbacks in the mm-hmm. FBS. I'll, I'll take Sam. He may lead the Big 12 in rushing touchdowns. Yeah, he's going to be like what Cody – Exactly, what Cody – Remember Cody Johnson that year? Was that Cody or Johnson? Tebow. Oh, no, uh, hell, Swoops did one year. Swoops had Swoops an did absurd it too. amount. Remember Cody Johnson did it yeah, one year Yeah, probably in 09. He had, he had like a like, 12 touchdown yeah, year. Like, and he had like 108 yeah, yeah. yards rushing. <laughs> it was just all like touchdown with a goal line. Like, That's going like, to be Sam. It's like yeah. Jerome Bettis in 2005. Dude, everything is five yards. Yeah. I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with Sam. Uh, Pecon R forty six has Tom Herman recruited well enough to where we were about to reload on the defensive front seven. Um, I don't know if reload's the right term, but I will tell you what, you Rod, have you looked at the updated roster yet? I've not. They got Tavondre Sweat on there at three hundred and twenty pounds. Damn. If that if that athletic joker is at three twenty and can definitely play the nose, but if he can maybe play another shade or something. Yeah, then you're at least gonna have some intriguing guys. I don't know about reloading, but I it's mean, gonna be a little while because even your linebacker, it's gonna be a little while yeah. before you can say that you were at 05 status where you had like your backups were NFL players. That, that's yeah. reloading. That's yeah. reloading. You know, what I mean, we're not there yet. Like when you can that's gra- Clemson and Bama. When you can graduate, uh, you know, Quentin Jammer, Rod B, and Nathan Vasher and replace them with Seth Griffin, Michael Huff, and Terrell Brown. Th- that's reloading. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, is Jake Smith the real deal? I heard I heard he is the real dude. I heard he's a better even athlete than people are giving him credit that's, for. That's that Freaky was the one thing athlete. I heard. Freak yeah. was the word. Like I a heard. freak in that slot. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh lastly, <laughs> right? lastly, are we about to see a lot less use of the tight end? There's a lot of chirp about using two backs and even hypes running Smith. If you have Brewer on the field, is he a part of the best eleven you want on the field? Oh, I would just say this, and maybe it was out of necessity, uh first year, two thousand seventeen, Tom Herman ran 
11 personnel, I want to say it was like 85, 80%, 80 to 85% of the time, which means one tight end, one running back. He, he wants a tight end. He loves tight ends. He does. I don't see – I think that's a crucial part of the power spread and the pro spread. I think he wants a tight end out there. I think Cade Brewer is the five-tool tight end that he wants. Okay, we'll save some of these uh, for maybe for next week or shelve them for later because we got to get out of here. But there's one question we got to get to before we get out of here. Um, at uh, Johnny at RacerX5908 on Twitter wants to know, and what was this post on? Let me find this on the message board. AZHorn92 also wanted to know um, this question for you, Rod. Mm-mm. Let me get find on. it real quick. I just want to hear some funny locker room stories from Rod B. To be honest, maybe ones that have, <laughs> maybe ones that wouldn't have gone over well with our fan base back then. And Johnny wants to know, Rod, wow. most outrageous moments in your high school recruiting time, college, and pro life. Use fake names if needed. We also, a, a juicy Dwayne story. Dude, we got to come back to that. I don't even, yeah, that's Let him brainstorm the best stories because to pull out the best stories may take a while. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm Can old we now. That, that was for next episode. Yeah, that's like 20 years ago. You talk about recruiting stories. I got to go back 20 years and get, get recruiting stories. Um, man, that's good. Um, See what's one at the top of my head. Um, good locker room stories. Um, oh man, I I could talk about the famous, <laughs> the two famous Longhorns who were basically dating the same chick, and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think I, actually I don't think they ended up fighting over anything, but that happened for a while, and that was really controversial. I could talk about the three dudes who uh, pooped themselves on the football field. That's always fun. Because I never reveal who it is. Casey Casey Stutter actually revealed, revealed one of the one. people, and I did not. It did well. He did. I think. Okay, I thought back Casey in the day. did. So I did. Yeah, I usually don't reveal any. <laughs> I try not to reveal that. Um, all right, so we could do that. Maybe next podcast we could do that. I'll okay. think of like four or five st- stories well, well, from my recruiting days, got, from my Longhorn days. We've got some some questions in the thread that we'll get to uh, before we hit camp. Yeah. I think I think next week will probably be more media days type stuff, and then we'll have one more pre camp podcast that will. We'll finish off uh, some of these Q and A. Oh, because um, actually, so next week media day is what Mondays and Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, so um, we'll have to record the podcast a different day. Let me think about that. All right, thank uh, thank you guys so much for submitting your questions this week, uh, and big thanks to Mike Roach for for being a part of this podcast. And we'll this is kind of going to be the blitz going forward. It won't be a Q and A every week. Once we get into the season, we'll have stuff to talk about. But uh, we definitely want to get you guys more involved. As we go forward. Uh, But for now, that is going to do it as we close out another edition of the show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Don't forget, like us, review us, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.